It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Okay, with that caveat, let me ask the question again. Do you think that criticizing an election is stolen undermines faith in the democratic process? I think it can. I think it depends on the context involved. The complaint you filed argued that the machines in 2018 actually switched votes uh, for Abrams to votes for Kemp. Is that correct? The complaint, I believe, had those allegations in it. And those allegations were all based on... Um, uh, affidavits and and other stories from voters. The other thing I need to say, Senator, and I understand going down this line, is that case is in very active litigation. Um, It goes to trial, actually, on Monday. Um, So I am um, very, very much limited in what I can say about it. Talking about what was or is not in the complaint is is one thing, but it would not be appropriate and... um, uh, for me to go too far into this case. So, but as an officer of the court, you were willing to put your name on a legal pleading alleging that the machines used in Georgia in 2018 were switching votes illegally from one candidate to another. Is that correct? Yes. All right. So now, all right, you're probably scratching your head saying, now what, what, what did I just hear? What, what was she talking about? Machine switching votes and who was that? And this must be about the Trump 2020 election. Oh, no, 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 it isn't. That's uh, Senator Ted Cruz asking questions of the Biden nominee for the FEC, Dara Lindenbaum, about her allegations that Stacey Abrams actually won the election in Georgia. She should be the governor because the voting machines switched votes uh, to, to the current governor, Kemp. Okay, so, uh, but, and so just think about that. It's okay for someone like Dara Lindenbaum, who's been claiming that Stacey Abrams actually won that race for, you know, that was 2018, so you figure it out, four years ago, uh, and she was working with Stacey Abrams, and she keeps declaring that the machines, you know, stole the election, and that's okay. She's not crazy. She's, you know, going to be promoted, nominated to be a federal elections committee uh, person you know, making all these decisions for federal elections, and somehow that's okay, but people like Mike Lindell and other people who say there was election fraud, like Sidney Powell, who say the Dominion machines were switching votes, or my friend Tina Peters out in Colorado, they're crazy, they must be destroyed, but uh, Dara Lindenbaum must be promoted. You see the point here. And so, as a matter of fact, Mike Lindell was at one of the Trump rallies in the last few days, and uh, he had some, he was talking about the freedom to speak on the network which, in which he was appearing. And let's listen to him. This is Mike Lindell. You might not all know this, but 
Um, Carrie coming over from Fox. Isn't it nice to be able to speak out on RSBN the truth? <laughs> so you can actually talk instead of not talking about elections. And you can even say the word on this show, Dominion. What? This is crazy. Dominion. We, uh, they went Fox on us. And not just Fox. All conservative media is afraid to talk about it. And why? Don't, do they, I ask them all the time. You guys, you know, I don't know what's worse, the conservative media... Or the, the Republicans are out there, the Republican legislatures. I got a word for the Republican legislatures. All of you guys in all you swing states and, and sit out there, and people have worked hard in Arizona and, and Wisconsin, those two states to fight to decertify and stuff. And you Republicans are still sitting there going, oh, we just hope we can, we can drag out the clock past the 22 election. I got news for you. We're never going to forget your name. You're either going to be a traitor or a hero. There's nothing. Nothing in between. So I'll tell you, Arizona, you could decertify tomorrow. Wisconsin, you could decertify tomorrow. Pennsylvania, you had more votes than voters. Come on. That's a disgusting. I mean, what a law. What a law. What a concept. You can't have more votes than voters. You need to decertify. You Republican legislators in, in Pennsylvania, you should be listed, every one of you, as a traitor to the United States. Every single one. I'm sorry. It's ridiculous. It's funny how the people understand uh, that there was voter fraud. And when you see the polls, you can see that even Democrats recognize that 2020 was uh, not rightly decided. I think almost the majority of Americans paying any attention at all, even some that aren't paying that much attention, think there was fraud in 2020. But somehow you're not supposed to say that, and you're especially not supposed to talk about the machines. Remember, Dominion has sued the socks of so many people uh, scared, you know, people, uh, group, organizations like Fox, you can't dare talk about election fraud, hardly. Um, some There are some exceptions, I, I, but for the most part, their news department, there's like a shoe that went down uh, and a dictate that went out. And that includes Newsmax. Uh, so uh, w- American, One American News, that's no longer available, which makes me sad. Every time I turn on the television and it comes up, you know, at least for DirecTV, this uh, channel is no longer available. That's you know, they have an app, OAN. Let me just suggest that you download that on your smartphone because, honestly, they gave, they gave the unabashed news. It may not have been as slick, um, but they, they did a great job of giving you good information. So One American News and the outlet that it's RSVN, I think it is, that uh, Mike Lindell was just speaking on. That's another outlet where you can still get the truth. Um, and, of course, it's what Mike just said is relative, relative to what I'm going to – this is going to be a theme because the primaries are coming up all over the place. In May, they start. And I want to, I want to start bringing candidates to your attention. I want, I'm asking, I'm begging you to pay attention to what's happening in your state and get involved. And you can't trust President Trump's endorsements. You can sometimes and you can't other times. Uh, So I think you know that. Most of you that pay attention, you understand that because he has a different grading system. And also, many times he's listening to voices that he shouldn't listen to. He can't know everything. Uh, And it doesn't mean that his endorsement means nothing. It just means don't think it means everything because it might not. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples of it. Well, I just will mention this one thing. I don't even know how I feel about this. I'm not ready to declare, but uh, President Trump just endorsed uh, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania in the GOP Senate primary. And um, I've heard some of the reasons about it. I'm not sure I can go into this right now in detail. Let me just say, uh, Dr. Oz is good on a lot of things like borders. He's good on um, um, 
Um, just a second. I want to be specific about this. He's good on COVID restrictions and mandates. He's been good all of that, but he's not very good on the LGBTQ issue. And so a lot of conservatives are concerned about that, but President Trump has just endorsed him. So, uh, But the, uh, the opponent in that race, uh, the other choice in the Republican primary is Dina Powell. And Dina uh, served in the Trump administration, but basically Dina was one of the people undermining President Trump all the time on nominations. Uh, she doesn't get a gold star for her performance in the Trump administration, and that she's the pick of the establishment. So it's a confusing situation, and um, people. I'll talk to people that know more about Pennsylvania, but I wanted to give you at least the headlines of that's what's going on there. Um, President Vice President Pence has started his own, well, he's been doing this for a while. He has his own organization, and they've come out with this uh, freedom agenda, and so he's been doing a lot of media. But there's an interesting article uh, that I just uh, read about President, Vice President Pence. You know that I, I, I even hate to say this publicly, but I have to, that I don't trust him. I haven't for a long time. Used to be um, someone that I really did trust. But I, I think there's something, something uh, has been amiss for quite a while. And a person writing this particular article, did Pence just signal the start of a GOP civil war against Trump? Um, it's just the whole idea, just tracking Pres Vice President Pence, obviously. It looks like he's planning on running. Uh, but the person writing this points out that he probably, there's no cho chance that he would probably win the nomination. Uh, and surely he must know that. He points to a CPAC poll of um, that less than 1% voted for him for president in the CPAC poll. Now that's, you know, that can change, but that's a pretty good indication that you're really running an uphill Battle. So the person writing the article, Did Pence Just Signal the Start of a GOP Civil War Against Trump, is um, whether it's something, certainly Pence's uh, run in the race and his taking off the gloves against President Trump could really hurt President Trump if he decides to win. And um, uh, there's also talk about some sort of partnership. Now, I don't know if this is official. This is unofficial. I've read about it, too. Uh, Liz Cheney is, of course, uh, anti-Trump to the max, and there's been some talk about, you know, this, like, I should be careful here. Let's just say cooperation. If if President, uh, if, uh, Vice President Pence decides to run, Liz Cheney would be thrilled, I'm sure, to support him, and I'm sure that that's true. So you're going to hear a lot more from Vice President Pence, and uh, since he probably knows he can't win, you know, you wonder, what is he doing? Does he really think... Even over, he can overcome that. I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know. So um, we're going to be talking about elections a lot, but I want to go overseas really quickly because this is interesting to me. You guys know who Viktor Orban is. He is uh, the uh, prime minister of Hungary, and he's been just uh, he's been like a Trump uh, in the sense that he loves his country. He did not allow the uh, overwhelming illegal immigration of the Muslim immigrants in his country. I think uh, he stopped it. And so uh, I would say that the you know the World Economic Forum and all the powers that be came down upon him. They the last thing they wanted was for him to win, uh, but he just won incredibly in Hungary. And I want you to hear from a Hungarian commentator just uh, weighing in on what that was like. This is clip fifteen. It is a massive win. It's not just a win for Hungary, but it's definitely also a win for Europe. And that's funny because you can tell that everywhere around Europe, the left has gone completely insane over this massive landslide victory that Orban has had. Um, and honestly, it really also shows the super anti-democratic nature of our leftist elitist. 
um, because they don't really want democracy. They only want democracy when it serves them, when the outcome serves their leftist global agenda. And that's exactly why we've seen that the media, the mainstream media, the EU bureaucrats and other left-wing politicians have been have done basically everything they could in order to prevent Orban from being re-elected. Um, as you know, they've called him a racist over the years for not wanting mass migration to Hungary. They've called him a bigot for not wanting children to be exposed to harmful LGBT propaganda. And most recently, they of course called him a pro-Putin shill uh, for not dumping on the train of hate Russia. Um, and this all, of course, stems from the fact that they hate about him that he stands for the Hungarian people. He doesn't cater to the globalists. He doesn't cater to the bureaucrats. He caters to a Hungary that is strong, that is proud, that's Christian, and that celebrates its own national identity, that protects um, its borders and also supports its families. And it turns out that if you do that as a leader, if you stand for your own people first, that those people will in fact vote for you. So that's a Hungarian commentator, and that happened just last week. I just didn't have a chance to tell you, uh, but uh, this is huge because, um, and oddly, uh, Vladimir Putin now is an object of wrath by the World Economic Forum and the powers that be because he will not uh, conform to the transgender ideology and the gender ideology, and uh, he will not cooperate with the, uh, a lot of the leftist policies. He's an outlier, like is Orban. I'm not, I'm not saying... You know, do I have to say uh, that that doesn't mean that um, Vladimir Putin is a hero? It doesn't mean that, but they they are bound to destroy him, and they're actually you know making some good ground on Vladimir Putin, whether that's good or bad. If they put in place someone who's going to embrace uh, the world global governance, then it might not be such a good thing. I don't know. But then in France, which always fascinates me, Macron, uh, who is a leftist, he's center field. He's <clears throat> he's like the quarterback for the uh, leftist movement in Europe. And uh, he has just had a runoff election with, um, is it Marie Le Pen? Le Pen. I think her first name is Marie. Yeah, Marina. Marina Le Pen. Uh, she's the uh, right-wing candidate, and they just had a runoff. Uh, Macron got 28%. Le Pen got 23.2%. And the third candidate got 217 So, excuse me. So they have to have a runoff election. That's coming up uh, really actually pretty quickly. It's not going to be delayed. And uh, Macron, I mean, um, uh, Le Pen, is a French first approach. She's very conservative. She wants to limit immigration, ban the Muslim headscarf in public places. Uh, she wants to disentangle France from international commitments. So that is a race to watch. You know, the whole world is an upheaval. You understand that, don't you? And uh, so we're all fighting kind of this battle together, even though we're many, many thousands of miles apart. And it's a battle really for freedom and for God himself. I'll be right back, Sandy Rios, in the morning. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes 
Very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for John Rychowski, Chief Financial Officer of the Department of Veterans Affairs. He's responsible for directing the department's budgetary, financial, capital asset management, and business oversight functions. Titus 2.7 reminds us of the importance of being a good steward. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity and dignity. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for John Rachowski as he oversees finances for the Department of Veterans Affairs. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. Riley Gaines is a championship swimmer for the University of Kentucky. Most recently, she tied for fifth place in the NCAA Women's Swimming Championship in Atlanta. But she was not allowed to be photographed with the fifth place trophy. That honor was given to the other swimmer, who also finished in fifth place, a male swimmer who identifies as a woman, Leah Thomas. NCAA officials gave the trophy to the biological man, not the biological female. When Riley pushed back, the NCAA told her they would mail her a fifth-place trophy. It's no doubt a problem for the NCAA. Their effort to be inclusive to the transgender community has backfired. Riley says there are many female swimmers furious. They say letting men swim with women is like cheating. Coaches and athletic directors are now telling the biological girls to stay quiet, but Riley said she had to speak out. It was the right thing to do. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. We have some great candidates, and sometimes I'm going a little outside of the box with some because we have candidates that are not strong. They're rhinos, and they're not strong. They're Mitch McConnell-type guys, and he's a disaster. So we need tougher people. We need people that are going to be able to win for our country. Not win for me, by the way, win for our country. And we have some great candidates. Yeah, so that was President Trump. And of course, he is endorsing left and right all over the country. Uh, And uh, partly, I think it's America first for sure. I do think that that's the driving force. And of course, sometimes it gets personal for President Trump. We're going to get into that in just a second. Uh, So I've asked this morning Congressman Mo Brooks to join us because Congressman Brooks has been in the crosshairs of President Trump's criticism. I don't actually start want to start with that discussion, but we are going to talk about it in just a second. First of all, let me just say good morning, Congressman Brooks. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing good. 
Uh, let me just say that Congressman Brooks is running for Senate in Alabama. We're going to talk about that in a second, too. But first, I just want to ask you about what's going on in D.C. right now. You know, I'm just wondering, you know, when you're serving the Congress right now, you still have to go through medical metal detectors. You just still have to worry about the masking rules and not touching to you. Is there a fence still around? Uh, is there some sort of a fence still standing? What, describe it if you could, Congressman. It's Fortress Capitol. Uh, the fencing goes up. The fencing goes down at the whims of Nancy Pelosi. Uh, fortunately, we no longer have to wear a mask on the House floor, but they did that the day before the State of the Union because the polling suggested that the Democrats would look bad if they required everybody to wear a mask on the House floor for the State of the Union address. So the day before the State of the Union, they decided, hey, COVID's not that big of a threat anymore. You don't have to wear a mask anymore. Of course, the science was a year and a half old that the masks do very little to no good whatsoever uh, mm-hmm. in protecting us from COVID-19 as evidenced by its spread. And yes, we still have to go through the metal detectors. Uh, Nancy Pelosi does not trust uh, the members of the House to be uh, responsible with their Second Amendment rights. Well, and that all came because some of you actually, you know, spoke in favor of President Trump and the rally, and some of you questioned the election and so you can't be trusted, and now you have to be monitored. It's it's disastrous, and of course, it's it's ridiculous. That's what it is. And of course, many, some congressmen like um, uh, Louis Gohmert have had to pay incredible fines because they refuse to go through those metal detectors. They are, after all, congressmen. You know, one thing I think, would you agree, Congressman, that your status as a congressman and the status of senators has been so diminished by these these uh, rules and the, the draconian rule of Nancy Pelosi in the House and also Schumer in the Senate? Would you agree that your role has been a little bit diminished? Well, to a certain degree, yes, but I think there's been a greater diminishment of the reputations of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer in as much as they're responsible for these draconian rules and the way in which the people's house is now being administered. You know, the United States Capitol is paid for by taxpayers. They should be allowed to come and visit their congressmen and senators and to watch the proceedings in the balconies that we have built for that that very purpose. But that's not the way it is under Nancy Pelosi. It's not the way it is under Chuck Schumer. And they're going to pay the price come November when we take the House and the Senate from the socialists. One last thing I should add so that people understand how bad it has been. Uh, they, people wanting to visit the Capitol have to fill out forms and say who they are and where they're from and have to you know, talk about what they want to talk to their, their representative about or their senator. It, it, I don't know if it happens on the Senate side, but it certainly happens on the House side. It's really an invasion of privacy. It's like Big Brother. Uh, it's, it's a horrible situation, and it needs to stop. Now, I want to go—you touched on this— uh, you you do believe you're going to take the House back. You have confidence in that? Absolutely. The reign of Nancy Pelosi and the reign of Chuck Schumer, they're both about to end come November with the new Congress being sworn in in January. Uh, if the polling holds up, and right now it's very, 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 very strong, uh, we will have a sizable majority in the House and some majority of unknown numbers in the Senate. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. In the Senate, of course, it's always closer, but we'll probably end up with 51, 52, 53. It just depends on how many quality candidates we can field. All right. So um, you recently, uh, I think, my analysis is, based on my reading, you stepped in it a little bit because it seems to me you criticized Senator Mitch McConnell. You're running for Senate. You want to leave the House. You you criticized the minority leader, Mitch McConnell, who would be the majority leader if the Republicans take it back. And I think that got you into some hot water. Would you agree? 
Uh, well, I thought it was more positive than negative. Uh, quite frankly, most people in America do not want Mitch McConnell in the position that he's in. That includes Republican primary voters in the state of Alabama. Mitch McConnell has the worst favorable, unfavorable ratio of any uh, substantive politician in Washington, D.C. He's about three times worse than Joe Biden, by way of example. Uh, he's, his unfavorables are 30-something percentage points, while Joe Biden's is only around 12 or 13. I say only. 12 or 13 is pretty doggone bad when your unfavorables are 12 points higher than your uh, favorables. But that gives you an idea as to how poorly received Mitch McConnell is. And keep in mind, he's supposed to be our message carrier. Well, if the voters are going to reject the message because of the message carrier, then we need a new message carrier. And we can do better. And that's my position. Let me just, uh, I'm no fan of Mitch McConnell's. I kind of criticize him at every opportunity because I just think he's been, he has been a disaster. And he has been for a long time. I heard him speak, Congressman, years ago at an event in Chicago, and it wasn't hard to figure out even then um, that he didn't have, uh, let's see, how shall I say this? He lacked passion for the issues. He had a lot of passion for process, for being elected himself, for control and order. I'm sure he's probably he's a master at that, but really not concerned about issues. And so uh, that was a real red flag to me, and it's really panned out to be exactly that. And let me just say that I just learned, and uh, well, I actually think I knew this from other sources, but now we know it's been uh, made public that Mitch McConnell has donated to Liz Cheney's uh, campaign for House, which is kind of odd. You know, he when you say Mitch McConnell, he has a, a huge pack, and as uh, Kevin McCarthy, they both have huge amounts of money to uh, give to their favorite candidates, and so Mitch McConnell has given money to Liz Cheney, and that really, honestly, Congressman, that's anathema to the base. I would hope that the people of Alabama see that and understand it. I've got one of the candidates who is Mitch McConnell's candidate in this race, a lady by the name of Katie Britt. She is also the candidate of the Open Borders uh, Chief Foreign Labor Special Interest Group crowd. And if that word gets out, uh, we'll do very well with respect to that candidate. There are six candidates running for the Senate. Um, three are of substance uh, competing for the two runoff spots. And so we have a Lincoln Project candidate on the one hand, that, that guy's name is Mike Durant, and then we have special interest group Mitch McConnell uh, candidate on the other, the establishment wing of the party, and that's Katie Britt, and I'm the MAGA candidate. Uh, I'm the only one that has, by way of example, actually fought for border security. I'm the only one who's actually fought against tax increases. Uh, I'm the only one who's fought for free enterprise and against socialism. So you go down the list of what we consider to be the MAGA agenda, and I'm spot on. Uh, the other candidates never participated in the fight before. You know, I called a friend that I trust a lot in Alabama, and he was telling me how um, about all the involvement of Katie Britt and uh, things that were not uh, at all the core values of Republican voters. And, of course, she is was with uh, Richard Shelby, who I think, you know, 100 years ago was a, a good uh, senator. Uh, but that was 100 years ago, and now is, I think, one of probably uh, just be interesting to know his net worth uh, because I know that he's undermined really good people. I know this for a fact uh, who wanted to run in Alabama. And um, so he's, he's somehow he left the reservation. And Katie Britt has worked for him for a number of years. So she definitely is the establishment pick. There's no question about that. I didn't know Michael Dermott was part of the Lincoln Project group. That's that. You know, because I heard, I heard President Trump uh, is, and we're going to get to your problem with losing his endor President Trump's 
endorsement. Um, and I heard that President Trump has actually been vetting Michael Durant. I mean, do you know anything about that, Congressman? Well, since September the 1st, uh, President Trump has indirectly been undermining my uh, candidacy. Um, over the last month, he's done so publicly, and it all comes down, in my judgment, to my belief that, look, for us to get justice about the 2020 elections, we have to have the political power to do so, which means we have to look forward and we have to win in 2022 and 2024 so that we can change these election laws that have been twisted and taken advantage of by the Democrats to steal elections. And uh, President Trump wants me to focus more on 2020. Uh, 2020's done. Uh, I wish there were ways to change it, but there's no legal path by which you can do so. January 6th on the United States Constitution was the election contest date. That's it. It's over with. So we have to win in 2022 in order to have the political power to reverse the bad laws that put us in the position of what happened in 2020. And as an aside, it helps Donald Trump win in 2024 if we win in 2022 and we're able to change election laws so that our election system is more honest and accurate. Let me just drill down on that a little bit, because um, are you saying... Are you saying that you don't think we should be discussing, you know, there's a lot of research going on in these states, a lot of testimonies, you know, in Wisconsin, in Arizona, uh, and, and Georgia, and they're finding all kinds of stuff. People that I know are on the front lines of this, and they're finding, and in Colorado, uh, the, the, t- the clerk out there and the machines, we're finding all kinds of horrendous things. Are you saying we should not discuss that at all? No, no. Uh, I'm saying you can't change the outcome. Uh, that is set by the United States Constitution, with January 6th being the final day. I have supported the audits in Arizona by way of example. Kelly Ward, Arizona Republican Party chairman, uh, came to our state a couple of weeks ago and publicly endorsed me because of my support for the audits in Arizona and because of a number of other things that we agreed on. And what's happened in Wisconsin by way of example with the votes being cast by third parties on behalf of people who lack the mental capacity in our nursing homes to understand what they're doing, that's a big problem. Or in Pennsylvania, where millions of ballots were were determined by a judge to have been illegally cast, illegally because they violated uh, the law. And no, we have to get to the bottom of what all transpired so that we have a better understanding so that we in turn can change the law so that it doesn't happen again. Well, I had to ask you that because that's an important distinction. You know, a lot of Republican candidates and certainly the establishment want us not to talk about 2020 and the election fraud at all. Get past it. It's over. That's done. And I think that's what people are angry about. I wanted you. I wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, distinguish yourself. You're saying that there's nothing we can do within the law right now to change the results, uh, in spite of the fact that there was a, there, that we have to we have to get to the bottom of what happened in these states. We can't let that go. And that's not what the others are saying, Congressman. So I just want to make sure. Now, yeah, President yeah. Trump, go ahead, sir. Yeah, there's no way at this point in time to reinstate Donald Trump as president of the United States, period. Okay. So when I'm talking about that aspect of it, it's over with under the United States Constitution. And I swore an oath to defend and protect the United States Constitution. That does not mean that we cannot use what happened in 2020 as a motivation as a teaching tool to ensure that we win in 2022 and 2024 so that we're in a position to change these election laws that resulted in such massive voter fraud and theft in 2020. We cannot let it happen again. And the best way to make sure it doesn't happen again 
is to first understand what transpired in 2020, how bad it was, and then winning the elections in 2022 and 2024 so that we have the political power to change it. Right now in Congress, by way of example, we can't change any of these laws that made things so bad, created such opportunity for voter fraud and election theft in 2020 because the Democrats control the House, the Senate, and the White House. So we have to win the elections so that we have the power, the votes, on the House floor and on the Senate floor to change these election systems that the Democrats have so badly corrupted. Congressman, uh, do us indulge us for a second. Remind us uh, and the listeners and, and your friends in Alabama where you were on January 6th and what you were doing. Well, on January 6th, I was the leader of the fight against voter fraud and election theft in the United States Congress. The number one person, the first person to publicly state, uh, and I'll repeat it, in my judgment, if only lawful votes cast by eligible American citizens were counted, Donald Trump won the Electoral College. And I led that fight. I gave uh, probably close to nine or ten uh, floor uh, speeches on the House floor, trying to help um, congressmen and senators understand that it's Congress's duty to resolve this election contest. It is not the duty of the courts. In the United States Constitution, Article One, the 12th Amendment, and the United States Code, uh, Title Three, USC 15, Congress is the ultimate judge, the ultimate jury, the ultimate arbiter of all election contests involving congressmen, senators, and the President of the United States, not the courts. So it should not have surprised anybody that the courts were ducking, dodging, and weaving. It wasn't their primary job. It was our job. And so I led that fight, and what started out with just one congressman ended up being a total of around 150 congressmen and senators who voted against accepting the Electoral College results in Pennsylvania and or uh, Arizona. And quite frankly, there should have been another half dozen, half dozen other states that were challenged. But some of our co-sponsoring senators copped out uh, once we had the attack on the Capitol. Yes, uh, and you and I talked more than once during that time, and I just wanted to, I want you to have a chance to restate that. I, I, I have the feeling, I, I felt this for a long time when President Trump was still president, that for whatever weird reason, uh, it's complicated, uh, President Trump uh, was influenced by Mitch McConnell on more than one occasion in a very bad way. And why he would be now, I don't understand, because Mitch McConnell has made it very clear, by especially by supporting Liz Cheney, for heaven's sake, uh, which, which side he's on. Uh, so... Uh, do you think that there's a McConnell link here in uh, President Trump's withdrawal of your your endorsement? Absolutely. And let me emphasize something. Mitch McConnell did the same thing in 2017 when Jeff Sessions, he had gone to Attorney General. There was an open seat for the United States Senate, and we had an election. Mitch McConnell induced Donald Trump to endorse Luther Strange for the United States Senate. Luther Strange had some major, major issues that made him unelectable in a Republican primary. But the net result, after everything was said and done, is that Alabama sent to the United States Senate a pro-abortion, pro-open borders, liberal Democrat by the name of Doug Jones because, because Donald Trump listened to and adhered to the wishes of Mitch McConnell back in 2017. And let me emphasize how this, this plays out, okay? Doug Jones getting elected was the reason that we couldn't repeal Obamacare. You may remember where it was for a while, John McCain with his thumbs down. Well, John McCain passed away. We got John Kyle appointed to replace him. John Kyle was for repeal of Obamacare, but we didn't have the votes to repeal Obamacare because Ruby Red Alabama sent a liberal Democrat, Doug Jones, to the United States Senate. It was horrible uh, the way the outcome 
of Doug Jones's misleading uh, Donald Trump and Donald Trump endorsing uh, Luther Strange uh, back in uh, 2017. And I should emphasize that Richard Shelby and Katie Britt teamed up to publicly put forth a strategy that encouraged our Republican voters to not vote for our Republican nominee to sit out or to write in somebody else. And it was so bad that after the election, Liberal Democrat Doug Jones, now elected to the United States Senate, thanked them for that effort that provided the margin of victory that he needed to get elected as a socialist Democrat in Ruby Red, Alabama. So it was it was just bad all the way around. But now you got Katie Britt, who helped mastermind that strategy as the chief of staff of Richard Shelby, now wanting to be our United States senator. And we should never forget how Katie Britt helped elect Doug Jones. So I'm looking at the numbers here. These are kind of old numbers, but it looks like uh, Katie Britt and Mike Durand are in funded incredibly well-funded. Uh, and, and I'm sure that this uh, support from President Trump being removed has hurt your funding. Is Am I right about that? Uh, President Trump's conduct since September 1st of 2011 undermined our ability to raise money. Yes, ma'am. And so uh, do you, is there a current poll that you can cite? Do you know where things stand in, in the race right now, in the Senate race in Alabama? I've come under severe attack by the Katie Britt forces. Uh, they are not at all hesitant to lie about one's record, and I can go into detail if you, well, I'll give you one example. Yeah, they've do, portrayed please. Me as anti-military, uh, they've portrayed me as anti-military for the Islamic State and for al-Qaeda. <laughs> that gives an idea as to how scurrilous <laughs> they are. But no, I know, but in South sorry, Alabama that... don't know my record, okay? And they get seduced. <laughs> and that kind of attack ad, uh, they have had an adverse effect on my reputation. They've also portrayed me as being opposed to border security when I've graded A-plus on border security every single year I've been in the United States Senate. Excuse me, in the United States House of Representatives. Eleven straight years, according to Numbers USA, I've had an A-plus grade on border security. But the special interest groups that are behind Katie Britt, they don't care one twit for the truth. All they care about is how much damage they can do to the reputation that I've earned in my years in public service. And as a result of that carpet bombing of attack ads by Katie Britt's team, it's now Mike Durant's in first, Katie Britt's in second, and I'm in a close third. Uh, It's amazing. And I have seen them manipulate, as you talked about, and we won't go into all of that, the terrible things they did in Alabama when Justice Moore was running, I mean, the links they went to, to take that seat in a red state. And so Alabamans can't allow this to happen again. I, and so, uh, um, Congressman, if people want to help you, because really it's the people that matter, you know, all those ads can be countervented by the people by word of mouth. How, how can they, how can they uh, come to your rescue here? Go to mobrooks.com and make a small contribution of whatever you can afford. Uh, sign up for our newsletters that you know the truth that rebuts the negative attack ads of Katie Britt. Most importantly is talk to your friends and neighbor and look at my record, okay? If you are concerned about the Second Amendment right to bear arms, I've had an A grade with the NRA, with Gun Owners of America every year I've been in Congress. If you're concerned about border security, well, I mentioned I'm an A-plus grade with Numbers USA. If you're concerned about foundational principles, well, look my record up with Heritage Action or the American Conservative Union. If you're concerned about free enterprise, look my record up for the National Taxpayers Union with uh, Club for Growth. So I've got a record you can look at, and that's what counts, pre-spread that gospel. All right, Congressman, we'll talk again. It's mobrooks.com. 
And uh, you've heard the story now, a a pretty good synopsis, uh, but we will have more discussions about it. And it's up to the people in Alabama to to rise up right now, I think, and not let the same thing happen that's been happening in the last several cycles here. It just has to stop. Congressman, it's a pleasure to talk to you, and we wish you all the best, and we'll talk again soon. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. Christian parents are on the hook today because they have to identify the threats to the value system uh, that's being taught to their children in public schools. And their job is to protect their kids from these influences. Tune in for Family Talk with Dr. James Dobson. Weekdays at 6.30 a.m. and 9.30 p.m. on American Family Radio. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our program. God's blessings to you all. This is a unique moment in the history of our country where we have an opportunity to restore the foundations of this nation. Tony Perkins of Washington Watch. To a nation that once again honors God. It will not happen unless God's people are informed and engaged. Join Tony Perkins for Washington Watch. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evening at 6 Central on American Family Radio. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The book of Proverbs is one that flows with abundant insight for wisdom. It shows that one of the most prominent qualities of wise people is that they welcome and even celebrate life-giving correction. In today's world, overrun by cultural Marxism, there is much discussion as to what segments of our society hate themselves. Well, Proverbs gives the answer. He who rejects life-giving correction despises himself. The truest demonstration of self-hatred is revealed by knuckleheads who refuse to humble themselves and embrace life-giving correction. Loving rebuke saves lives. Correction displays love. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813.
This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. It's often said that elections have consequences. Rarely, though, has an election in one country had more profound consequences for another than the change from Donald Trump to Joe Biden has had on Israel. Before President Trump left office, the Jewish state had benefited greatly from his commitment to its sovereignty, security, and right to defend itself against Iran and allied terrorists. And Mr. Trump denied the Palestinians a veto over improved relations between Israelis and Arabs willing to make peace. Team Biden, by contrast, has repeatedly undermined Israel and those who share its determination to counter the threat they all face from an incipient nuclear-armed Iran. He has, moreover, emboldened the mullahs with promises of perhaps another $150 billion, and he's renewed the Palestinians' conviction that they can wage jihad against the Jews with impunity. This won't end well. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, Sandy Rios, back with you. I, I, you know what? I had no idea that uh, the polls were what they were. Mo Brooks was the leader uh, for a long time initially, and I, this, I, I cannot stand to see this happening again. You know, I, um, Justice Roy Moore is a longtime friend of mine, and I was very vested in what happened to him. And you may or may not remember. Some of you will remember. This is a, ju- a justice who was, uh, they're elected in Alabama, the chief justice of the Supreme Court, and he was that for them for, for many years. And he was elected by like 90-something percent of the people because he was such a man of character. I've been around him a lot, so I know he's a man of character. And then they came out of left field accusing him of um, inferring these stories about his behavior as a young um, attorney and just disparaging him in ways that were disproven systematically. But, of course, you know what happens once they accuse someone of something like that. The worst accusation was with a 14-year-old girl. There was just no there was just no proof of that. This was arbitrary. And they basically destroyed him in Alabama where there are so many Christians. And, and for whatever reason, you have to explain it to me, why conservatives and, and really I would even say especially Christians, if they hear one bad thing about someone— they jump to believe it. They are really willing to let people be branded. They are slow to defend because they wouldn't want to defend someone who, you know, they have to make sure that, I don't know, you tell me. And they jump to conclusions, and then and then we get this. We're like worked. We are manipulated and managed. And, uh, you know, and people are not perfect, and especially in politics. But I'm not, by saying that, I'm not saying Justice Moore did that. I'm not saying that. I don't believe for a second he did the things they accused him of. And I tracked that in great detail. There was so much news about that. They also, uh, whoever the powers that be were, we found out later, the New York Times did a piece on it, on the method they used to destroy Justice Moore. They set up uh, fake conservative accounts on uh, social media, like, you know, Conservatives for Alabama or whatever the name was, and, and people started looking to that for their news, but it wasn't. It was not Conservatives for Alabama. <laughs> it was people who hated Justice Moore. And they managed to destroy him and get him out and really ruin, try to ruin his reputation. For people that knew him, it didn't work, uh, but there weren't enough people that really knew him. He became an object of ridicule when here he is a man of great character and nobility. It was just horrible. And so now here we go again, different, different people, but the same but different on Mo Brooks. And Mo Brooks, what, when he described his record, that is his record. That is his record. He, is a, he has an incredible record. And if Mike Durant is, uh, rep- represents the Lincoln Project, you know what that means, right? They hate President Trump. Uh, they are just a, a, group, a bunch of snipers, as far as I'm concerned. 
And so if that's true about him, I don't know because I don't know anything about Mike Durant, but that's what uh, Congressman Brooks said, so I don't think he would lie about it. And I certainly know about Richard Shelby and the way he has stabbed the way he stabbed Justice Moore in the back and was happy to cooperate with all of that nonsense. And Katie Britt is uh, representing him. Uh, then, you know, if I were in Alabama, I, I would be concerned about this. So um, I'm just, just saying, uh, this is the kind of thing that happens, and it happens in the primary. So if you're going to get a good person in, you've got to engage right now in the primaries. You have to. And it's hard work because you're going to hear all of this stuff slapped against the wall and you're not going to know what to believe. And I just say to you, don't rush to believe uh, without vetting things. And so um, just be careful. And again, find outlets that you can trust. Um, you know, certainly AFA has a voter guide that'll tell you where people stand on the issues. Uh, that's our AFA action. You can go there for our I Voter Guide. And then, of course, there's FreedomWorks, uh, there's Senate Conservatives Fund. Uh, there are other measurements. There's, um, um, let's see, uh, the ACU, uh, Matt Schlapp. They have a grading system where they grade congressmen. But if they're new candidates, then you, that doesn't help you. Look who's endorsing people and look who's funding them. That's one way you can tell who a person really is. Who's backing them? What organizations are endorsing them? Who's giving them money? And uh, b- just because they have a lot of money, often that's a red flag. And so um, just trying to help you make these good decisions. All right, um, changing the subject to something really, really strange and frightening. You know, China has really been cracking down on people. Uh, just uh, they're gone COVID crazy. I don't know what they have. The cases are down there as they are anywhere else, but they have been. I've seen pictures of people lined up in the streets on their knees with their masks while the while the police come and check each one of them it's it's become untenable and uh, just a story came out uh yesterday i saw this that there's a like a a drone flying over shanghai and uh warning people to keep you know wear their masks and follow the protocols it sounds like this let's listen clip 6 <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? This is from the sky, from a drone in the sky with a, the amplified voice large enough that the, the millions of people in Shanghai can hear this. Warning you, right? This is, it gives me the creeps to walk through the airport and say, the CDC is requiring, the CDC, you know, no music anymore, no announcements, just the CDC. At least that was the last time I flew. I have been avoiding flying because it's so miserable right now. I don't need to go to jail. I can, you know, I like to be free at home. I don't want to go in prison where people are barking at me and telling me uh, to do ridiculous things that are against my conscience and freedom. Uh, But um, clip seven then, you think it's bad in Shanghai? Okay, so Love Field in um, in Dallas is ch- is uh, trying out a, a robot. It's a, using artificial intelligence. It's seven feet tall. It's a tower. It's been uh, in, put in Dallas Love Field, and it's monitoring tra- travelers for face masks, and it it's reports its finding to airport security. It watches to see if you've uh, parked too long. It wants to make sure you've worn your, you're wearing your face mask properly. And if not, you'll be reported. And uh, their little robot sounds like this. Welcome to Dallas, Love Field Airport. All Ubers, Lyfts, taxis, and rental car shuttles are located on the lower level. 
To access the lower level, please use an escalator or elevator to proceed downstairs. I just have a question. Are all robots gay, you know? This this is just, I just don't, it's like, where is this coming from? Where is that coming from? Okay, so this robot, if you see it, uh, it, take, it takes pictures. It's got a, a window in there, and it's going to report, you know, people, if you don't have your mask on properly. That's Dallas Love Field. Did you all know that? That's Dallas. Those of you in Texas, did you know they're doing that? Who's doing that? Well, of course, it must be TSA. I don't know. Or is it Dallas? Is it Dallas? Because if it is, you might have something to say about that. Really? You think? Maybe you might have something to say about whether you like that or not. They're experimenting with that with one other airport. They don't. They have not released the name of the airport that is trying out this new uh, little, you know, it's called Scott. Security Control Observation Towers. It's uh, really ridiculous. And back to COVID. Let me just give you a few updates on the news from COVID. In Massachusetts, the governor has dismissed members of the state police who refused to get a vaccination. Uh, they've been, uh, dozens of troopers have already submitted their resignation paperwork, some of whom plan to return to other departments. Uh, but the governor of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, has released several state troopers because they would not get vaccinated. Isn't this thing over? Isn't this over? No, no, they're still doing this. I just can't believe it. And as a matter of fact, here's another story along that line. A U.S. appeals court, um, has decided that uh, Biden's COVID-19 vaccine mandate for federal employees should stand. It's a panel on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit entered the ruling overturning a district judge's earlier block of the mandate, and that was Judge Jeffrey Brown, who's a Trump appointee. He concluded that Biden, Biden lacked the statutory authority to issue the mandate. and two But two judges on the appeals court did not directly address the matter, but found that the plaintiffs... A group of federal employees should have taken their complaints to different venues. So, you know, now they have to have a, uh, federal employees have to have vaccines, even though, you know, it's so yesterday. It really is. And we know it's dangerous. We have more information about it. And the two judges who wrote that decision are Clinton appointees. So you can see that our justice system has really just... Uh, it's just uh, been broken down. It's just really so disappointing to watch things become so fragmented. But on the good side of news, in Tennessee, they're working on a bill right now. It's really close to being signed, uh, allowing ivermectin to be used as a treatment for COVID-19. And you know what? That's good news for all of us because we could always find it our ways to Tennessee if we had to to get uh, ivermectin to save, you know, our family members' lives. All right. Sandy Rios in the morning. Happy Monday. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.